All right, team, we're back. This is James with The World's Last Night. We're in Genesis today. We're going to start with chapter 18. Then I'm going to do a second episode for chapter 19 in the same day because, well, as you may have guessed, I missed several days of recording. I was with some friends in Gatlinburg celebrating their anniversary, and I actually left my Bible. So I had my phone with me, which was cool, and I was able to read... uh, you know, the scripture of the day and meditate on that, but I wasn't able to get a lot of reading in, which was kind of a bummer, Um, but here we are. Uh, We're going to start in verse 1, and this is going to be a strange chapter, and I'm going to try to do my best to explain what is happening. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham at the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting in the entrance of his tent during the heat of the day. He looked up and he saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the entrance of the tent to meet them and bowed to the ground. So Abraham is sitting at the entrance of his tent. It's super hot outside um, during the heat of the day, probably around noon. Who knows? And he sees these three three people, and he instantly recognizes that they're a little bit different than your normal humans because he runs out and bows to the ground before them. So we're going to talk about who we think these people are in a second, or we'll pick it up in verse 3. Then he said, My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, please do not go on past your servant. Let a little water be brought, that you may wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. I will bring a bit of bread, so that you may strengthen yourselves. This is why you have passed your servant's way. Later you can continue on. Okay, so Abraham's talking to one of these three, calling him my Lord. And traditionally what we believe about this is that this is... God, assuming the form of a human. Um, there is a, a word for this where people believe the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, actually appeared throughout the Old Testament. Uh, and I'll have to find out what that word is again. Something funny. <laughs> but uh, you see it again with uh, Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego later on when they're thrown into the furnace. And the king sees there's a fourth person in there. Well, the people see there's a fourth person in that furnace, and the three guys aren't burning alive. People like to say, well, that was the second person in the Trinity in there with those three people. Or Jesus, prior to him taking on flesh and becoming who we know him to be in the person of Jesus. So, you got to keep in mind that the Trinity is existing, all three persons in one, from eternity past. So, it very well could be... This is a pre-occurrence of Christ. It could also be uh, angel of the Lord, but we'll find out. All right, so we keep going. Um, all right, yes, they replied, do as you have said. So Abraham's going to wash their feet, they're going to rest. So Abraham hurried into the tent and said to Sarah, quick, knead three measures of fine flour and make bread. Meanwhile, Abraham ran to the herd and got a tender, choice calf. He gave it to a young man who hurried to prepare it. Then Abraham took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set them before the men. He served them as he ate under the tree. So Abraham is whining and dining these guys. Sarah's joining in on it, making some bread. And I think the thing that you take from this passage is that Abraham believes these people are more worthy than he is. So these are some superior people. Okay, so verse 9. Where is your wife, Sarah, they asked him. There in the tent, he answered. The Lord, and this is a capital L. So at this point, you do believe that this is 
the Lord Jesus Christ, second person of the Trinity, come down, speaking to Abraham here, or the, the angel of the Lord. So, the Lord said, I will certainly come back to you in about a year's time, and your wife Sarah will have a son. So now we're getting a time on when Isaac's going to be born. Very cool. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent behind him. Abraham and Sarah were old and getting on in years. Sarah had passed the age of childbearing, so she laughed to herself. After I have become shriveled up and my Lord is old, will I have delight? Now here, um, that Lord's lowercase l, that's talking about Abraham. So it wasn't uncommon for, uh, I guess, wives during this time to call their husbands Lord. And uh, it's just a sign of respect. But the Lord asked Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Can I really have a baby when I'm old? Is anything impossible for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will come back to you. And in about a year, she will have a son. Sarah denied it. I did not laugh, she said, because she was afraid. But he replied, No, you did laugh. Okay, let's talk about laughter for a little bit. What's the difference between these two people, Abraham and Sarah? Both of them, whenever they were told that they're going to have a child uh, by God, they both laughed because of the fact that at the, when it was just Abraham, Sarah was so old, uh, was already, I'm sorry, not so old, but she was infertile, right? They, they weren't able to have children. They were getting up in years. At this point, they're very up in years, and the odds of them having a child, because they're not stupid, <laughs> are very slim. So they laugh at this idea. And that's uh, not necessarily a sin. I think it's a, a sign of not having a lot of faith. If the God of the universe comes and tells me something's going to happen, I'm, I'm going to believe that that thing's going to happen. But, you know, I say that, and then there are some times when God speaks to us, and it doesn't happen the way we expect. It seems... Um, like it's taking too long. And obviously for Abraham and Sarah, this seemed like it was taking too long. So you can sort of give up faith after a while. Uh, the, there's a proverb that says something to the effect of hope deferred makes the heart sick. So you're hoping for something and it never comes. It's always deferred. Not that it never comes, but it keeps getting deferred, keeps getting deferred. It can make your heart sick. And I believe this couple, you know, are sort of in that, in that zone. So Sarah laughs. Previously, Abraham laughed. Probably not a sin, but Sarah did sin when she denied it. She said, I did not laugh. She said this because she was afraid. So, that's kind of sad. And then the Lord says, no, you did laugh. Got called out. All right, moving on. Verse 16. We're going to get to talk about Sodom here. The men got up from there and looked out over Sodom, and Abraham was walking with them to see them off. Then the Lord said, Should I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham is to become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will command his children and his, and his house after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. This is how the Lord will fulfill to Abraham what he promised him. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is immense, and their sin is extremely serious. I will go down to see... If what they have done justifies the cry that has come to me, if not, I will find out. Very interesting. For like a bunch of reasons. And I say very interesting a lot. I realize that, but that's because most of the stuff in scripture interests me greatly. Um, one interesting thing is the fact that he's saying that the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is immense, which means 
there's a lot of people who believe these cities are very unjust. They've been treated unjustly by them. You remember a long time ago, we found that Sodom was considered uh, an evil, evil group of people. And so there's this outcry. So justice needs to be done. Now here, this is interesting. I'll go down to see if what they have done justifies the cry that has come up to me. If not, I'll find out. God's obviously all-knowing, right? Um, and that it's sort of weird for him to, to have to go see it for himself. Uh, and there's a little note here in my Bible, um, which says something like this. It's possible to misunderstand these verses in two ways. One, that God is distant from his creation. And two, that God is not all-knowing. God already knows wretched, the wretched spiritual state of Sodom. It cites Psalm 139, 1-12 for this, which has come up to him in his transcendence, or, in other words, existence over and beyond the created universe. However, because God is also fully imminent, which means personally involved with his creation, this passage speaks of his coming down to see the sinfulness of Sodom for himself. There's an echo here of the story of the Tower of Babylon. When the people thought to, ra to raise up a tower into the sky, God came down to see what they had done. In other words, God God desires relation with creation. Ah, that rhymes. Hmm. Someone must have made that a t-shirt. Um, and it, in the same way, I, it cited Tower of Babylon. I would have cited Genesis when God comes down and says, Hey, where are you, um, Adam? You know? And Adam's like, I'm hiding. Uh, and then I'm naked. And God's like, Oh, who told you that you're naked? So God is desires, even though he knows everything, he desires relationship. And that's why we pray. God already knows. And Jesus says this. God already knows what you need. When we pray to him, though, it's really, in a lot of ways, just for our benefit because we're connecting relationally with our Heavenly Father. Well, in this scenario, God's coming down and he's going to connect relationally with Abraham, as we just saw. Um, the men turned from there and went to, towards Sodom while Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Okay, two things. It sounded like there were three people here, and it also sounds like one of them is staying with Abraham, and the other two are headed towards Sodom. I think later we find out that these other two are angels, and they're going to go talk to Lot, I believe. Okay. Abraham stepped forward and said, Will you really sweep away the righteous with the wicked? And this sort of makes sense as to why... Um, the Lord was like, should I really tell Abraham what I'm about to do? Um, and Abraham is basically, basically lamenting this idea that God is about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham says, are you going to, you know, punish everyone, including the righteous that, that live there? Are, they, are you really going to sweep all of them away? And so Abraham continues in verse 24. What if there are 50 righteous people in this city? Will you really sweep it away instead of sparing the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people who are in it? Now, this is actually not the best argument to present to God. This idea that there's righteous people and for their sake, we shouldn't or he shouldn't exact justice um, for a lot of reasons. Sometimes, even if even if someone were righteous, they're still not sinless, right? So... Their life is forfeit before God who created them and gave them a mission to do and haven't completely fulfilled it to perfection like Jesus Christ did. Remember, like Jesus came to fulfill the law. 
He did everything right. He lived the perfect sinless life. So there's that aspect, really calling people righteous before God. Difficult to do. They're not sinless. They might be righteous among their contemporaries. And in Sodom, that's a really low bar, apparently. Um, so, okay. There was something else I want to talk about that, but I'll see if I remember it. We'll keep reading. Will you really sweep it away instead of sparing the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people who are in it? You cannot possibly do such a thing to kill the righteous with the wicked. Treating the righteous and the wicked alike? You cannot possibly do that. There's an exclamation point there, which is interesting. Won't the judge, capital J, so that's talking about God, of all the earth, do what is just? Okay. Abraham's really freaking out here. Um, that's fine. He doesn't have the same perspective that God has. And yet, you're going to watch that God actually desires to show mercy and... Likewise, I guess, even show mercy to Abraham, who is, Abraham is trying to place himself in God's position. There's a C.S. Lewis uh, essay called God in the Dock, and it really, he argues that modern society likes to put God in the dock. Now, the dock back then is the place in the courtroom where the defendant sits, and the place that God actually belongs is in the judgment seat, because he's the judge, and yet... C.S. Lewis argues that, well, the modernist person tries to turn that around and convict God of some sort of sin. No, 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 no. Not going to happen. And Abraham is, is actually being very audacious in going with this line of reasoning, asking God if he's really going to be just. So, but God is merciful, and he's going he's gonna to talk to Abraham here. He says, the Lord says excuse me, said, if at Sodom I find 50 righteous people in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham answered, since I have ventured to speak to the Lord, even though I am dust and ashes, this is interesting, actually, he's recognizing his inferiority. Suppose the 50 righteous people lack five. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? So I guess we're talking about 45 people now. So the Lord replies, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Then he spoke to him again, suppose 40 are found there. He answered, I will not do it on account of 40. Then he said, let the Lord not be angry and I will speak further. Okay, this is, this is awesome. I'm not going to lie. If I could have this kind of discussion with God and he was this like lenient and loving, loving towards me, because we're as humans, I mean, we're a little stupid, but we want our questions answered in the midst of our ignorance. We desire to know truth and Abraham is seeking it. And God is having mercy on him like a child. It's like the child that keeps asking why, why, why over again. God is actually answering those questions. He's being patient with Abraham. And that's amazing. That's like, that's what I want in my relationship with God. And sometimes I, I do act like that. We'll keep going though. Then the Lord said, let the Lord not be angry and I will speak further. Suppose 30 are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Then he said, since I have ventured to speak to the Lord, suppose 20 are found there. He replied, I will not destroy it on account of 20. Then he said, let the Lord not be angry and I will speak one more time. Suppose 10 are found there. This is Abraham, right? So God answers. He answered, I will not destroy it on account of 10. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he departed and Abraham returned to his place. So it sounds like the Lord actually doesn't go to Sodom here. It sounds like the two angels that left do. Lord departs. Abraham returns to his place. And what a great, awesome conversation. Like, I can't wait to have that kind of thing face-to-face -face with God. 
in heaven. Like all my ants, all the questions that I have right now. It's like, I'm going to get a chance. He's going to be patient with me. This is what I expect. Patient with me like a child and, uh, and answer my questions. And I love that. I love that about him. And I think it's amazing that Abraham got to experience that on earth. Okay. So I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm really stoked (laughs) about this. That's the end of chapter 18. Oh man. I really want to read chapter 19. Um, okay. So Abraham is going back in his tent. God has told him, hey, look, even if there's 10 righteous people, I'm not going to destroy that city uh, on account of them. What a good God. Um, we're going to find out here soon, probably, that, that, doesn't, that there aren't 10. And what that tells me is that God knows better. He already knows the hearts of those people. And he is just and merciful and... Uh, and I think it's just amazing that he would have this conversation with Abraham anyway, despite already knowing. <laughs> it's because he wants a relationship with his children. I think that's wonderful. So uh, tune in. I'm going to record 19 separately, and we can see what happens with Sodom and Gomorrah. And actually, I think we're going to have a really tough subject coming up in chapter 19. I think we're going to have to talk about homosexuality, which is not a fun topic to talk about. Uh, if you have been in America since the seventies, it's just rife with controversy, but I'm going to, I'm going to come at it from a biblical perspective and, uh, leave it at that. So until next time, thanks.